Welcome to The Changemakers by Food Niche, a podcast that stories and insights of visionaries tackling some of the biggest challenges facing our food system. On this podcast, you will find interviews with innovators, scientists, advocates, policymakers, educators, and many more, all united by a common objective. Get ready to be informed, inspired, and challenged. Now join the show host, Dr. Julia Oleandro. Hello, everyone, and welcome. On this episode, we have a very special guest. She is um, Amy Zitterman. She's the founder and CEO of Some Foods. She's also the author of The Taini Table. She co-founded Some Foods uh, about 11 years ago with her sisters, and um, their mission was really to inspire new, innovative, and um, exotic ingredients in American pantry staples. And they've done this successfully over the past decade with some foods. Um, Amy was inducted into the Forbes 30 under 30 class of 2018 for the food and beverage category. And um, she's been featured in New York Times, Washington Post, Forbes, Cooking Lights, and many other authority sites. Amy, it's really nice to have you here today. Um, I, I'm really glad that uh, you've made time to uh, invest in this space, educate people about uh, new and nourishing ways uh, to enjoy food. And we have um, a lot to talk about, so uh, I'm looking forward to the conversation. I still remember you, um, speaking on a panel conversation that we had at the Food Niche Summit 2019 in New York City. So uh, it's also great to see everything that's been happening with Zoom since then. So looking forward to the conversation we're having today. Thank you. It was great to hear from you. And I've learned so much through the Food Niche community since 2019. And I have to admit that I felt so excited to be invited to that panel as what I considered to be more of a naive uh, entrepreneur in the space. But I'm really excited to connect and share about what's gone on with Zoom since and, and learn from you and everything that's gone on with Food Niche. Thank you. So let's get started. So, you know, oftentimes when I meet people and we talk, one thing I realize is wherever they are on their journey, something has shaped their story up till now. Everybody has a story, some people that influence them, um, incidents that happen in their life at one time or the other that shaped um, their decisions on career trajectory, business ventures, and things like that. So I just uh, thought it would be good to start off by learning more about you. Um, what are those uh, factors that shaped your upbringing, your entire story? Yeah, sure. Well, I'm the youngest of three sisters. So I guess that's what really shapes me, not just because of obviously the roles our family or siblings play as we grow up, but because my sisters are also my co-founders. Um, so we started a business back, the idea came about in 2011, uh, but we've been in business since 2013. So 10 years ago, and we decided really through a passion for this ingredient for tahini to make tahini a more popular ingredient in the American market. My middle sister, 
sister Jackie lives in Israel and she's lived there since 2008. And her husband Omri has been in the Trina, or as we call it here in the States and in Greek culture, Tahini market at this point for 20 years. Uh, so the joke is that my oldest sister Shelby had a business degree. Jackie married a Tahini expert and I needed a job. And I was just coming out of college. And so that's what shaped me to really, I think, come to this conversation today. All right. That's interesting. But growing up, did you have interest in food in any way? Did you have your preference with food? What was that like? You know, it's interesting. I actually did a small heritage piece through the Jewish Food Society of my family. And we actually have several generations in food, but it's through the lens of entrepreneurship. So my great great grandfather had a small food market, a grocery store in Baltimore. Um, my grandfather was the owner of a restaurant in Washington, D.C. that my father grew up in. Um, and so I would say that it's more so that entrepreneurship, you know, is in our blood, um, but we do have an affinity to food. Uh, and so it's amazing that those two were able to be married uh, in Zoom. That's great. That's really great. So um, people might be listening and not familiar with that. Um, um, tiny and um, the entire line of um, food types and it would be good to just share a little bit about it and uh, how is it different from some of the other um, uh, ingredients we use today what what is unique about it and also if you could share a little bit more about uh, the mission as well it would be great so let, maybe we should just start with the uh, product first product. tell us a little bit about uh, tahini and how you came to integrate into your product. Yeah, I appreciate that because most people still don't know what tahini is, or if they do, I don't think most people are aware of the full opportunities that tahini brings to our cooking. But tahini is an ingredient made from 100% roasted and pressed sesame seeds. It's probably most familiar in the Western American market because it's an ingredient used to make hummus. So when I'm talking with people and explaining what tahini is, it, if people don't know what tahini is, the next question is, are you familiar with hummus? And most people say yes. So tahini is part of the fat that creates the dip. You can think of tahini, I like to describe it as thicker than olive oil and thinner than peanut butter, but can be used for both in savory and sweet recipes. So that is really the context that it falls into the American market is that originally, especially a decade ago, it was mostly found on the bottom shelf of the international aisle with dust on the lids. If people knew what it was and were purchasing it, they were only bringing it home to make hummus or maybe a tahini sauce, and they couldn't name the brand that they were using. And so it was those pieces that really informed my sisters and me to think about this more entrepreneurially to see, you know, is there a business here? Um, but that piece about peanut butter, and especially its uses across the Middle East, is that tahini is an amazing substitute for fats in sweet dishes as well. So people bake cakes with it, cookies with it, as a substitute for the oil or the butter. And so we worked really hard to get tahini out of the international aisle and into the nut butter category. And we've invested a lot of resources, namely time and money into consumer education to teach people what tahini is and how they can use it. That's really great. And when you think about the benefits that it brings, if you're comparing it to um, other sources of um, oil and fat, what do you think um, the, the main or the biggest benefit with the tahini is? 
Yeah, it's a great question. As it compares to oils, it brings uh, protein and plant-based protein uh, because sesame is one of the best sources of non-animal protein, calcium, and iron. It's rich in other vitamins and minerals, magnesium, phosphorus is, you know, talked about a lot as it relates to tahini's health benefits. Um, and so I would say that's one of the larger differentiators. And then to compare to other nut butters like peanut butter or almond butter, the, you know, nutritional extension of sesame, it can be compared pros and cons against almonds or cashews or, you know, name any nut or seed, but the health profile, the nutritional profile of, of sesame is vast and really inspiring. I mean, that's part of really what helps us get through every day is we're inspired by not just the versatility of tahini, but also its health benefits. And so I feel, you know, I always tell people I've been talking about tahini for over 10 years, and I don't think I could be doing this if I was selling a potato chip, you know, or insert something else here. It really energizes me in a setting where it's easy to be, I think, worn down, you know, in entrepreneurship and invest definitely in CPG and food entrepreneurship in particular, but what energizes me are the health benefits and thinking of how much value it adds to people's lives if, and when they start incorporating it more into their diet. Right. And you're one of the first people to bring uh, tahini into the U.S. market, I think. So not necessarily, actually, if I may, there have been many companies, many manufacturers, many brands from abroad, primarily the Middle East that have been distributed here. I mean, I'm not talking about like dozens, but maybe a dozen or dozens, you know, you know, not a, a huge amount. And so what I think differentiated soon was our commitment to make a brand that Americans that our market could relate to and understand and also invest into the consumer educations because I can't tell you how a consumer education I can't tell you how many foreign brands we've met and talked to over the years that are surprised how many Americans don't know what tahini is and they were not you know sharing recipes or really putting the time and work into getting tahini into new pantries or getting people that were buying tahini to use it a new way. So there, it, it's not a lot of competition. That's another thing that really energizes me. You know, it'd be difficult to sell a granola bar or a beverage where there's a lot of competition. Um, but we, I hesitate to, when it, to say that there weren't people selling it. Um, and the competition has grown even more since Zoom started. So more American-like brands are coming in. Foreign brands have rebranded and really started contributing to that consumer education as well. So it's the the scene looks different now. Um, but yeah, it was amazing that we were able to be the first two branded tahini, I feel like, in the States. Right, right. That was what I was referring to because of course there there'll always be yes. a lot of people in the foreign market that um carry a brand and uh, carry a product rather. But in terms of the local market here in America, having uh, someone that could brand it in a way people can relate with mm. and uh, people can identify with is also very crucial to entering the market. So that's um, that's really a remarkable thing right there. Thank so you. yeah, so uh, let's talk a little bit about how people um, can enjoy your products. So what what, um, what type of products um, do you, what line of products do you currently have and what do you envision to introduce in the coming months and coming years? Great. Um, so we, I mean, for most of Zoom's existence, definitely back in 2019, 
about 90% of our business is selling tahini. We do sell it in different size formats into different mm -hmm. channels. And so Sum's foundation is actually in food service. We sell a lot of tahini to restaurants across the country, uh, fast casual chains, small manufacturers and meal kits and the likes. And a smaller percentage of what we sell is online, both on our own website, although we're shifting a lot of our attention to other channels like Amazon and Thrive Market and Misfit Markets. Um, but because of our push to get tahini into the nut butter section, when we looked at that category, we saw Nutella and we saw Justin's almond butter with a variety of flavors. And so there were two contributing factors that led to this extension in the nut butter category, which is a line of chocolate tahini spreads. We have kind of like mm -hmm. a pure, almost milkish chocolate, although it's vegan. And then we have a dark chocolate sea salt that's distributed alongside our tahini in the nut butter category. Um, and so, but for the first 10 years of Zoom, 90% of our sales was selling tahini, a very small percentage was selling this chocolate spread. And just at the beginning of 2023, we launched our newest product. It's a line of snack bites made with dates, tahini and oats. So this is the first time that Zoom is entering into a new category outside of the nut butter aisle or, you know, ingredient um, you, uh, demographic. And so we're really excited about that. And we plan to continue to develop new products and new categories that contribute to home cooks experiences of tahini in their kitchens, you know? Um, and so I'm just really excited because it was challenging to grow out of just tahini. You know, I think it was safe for me for a long time. We still have a lot of room to grow because the category is really just expanding and growing. But we did reach the point actually really looking at myself at like a my own consumer, you know, 10 years ago when I started Zoom, I had the time to follow Bon Appetit and New York Times cooking. And I was, you know, using tahini every day and really, you know, um, interesting ways in the kitchen. And now I have three kids and like, I'm not cooking like that anymore more and I need something that I can eat on the go or like throw into my kids lunches that also you know I know is good for them and so the snacks came at a really I think authentic time and I'm excited to continue to explore that that need for those consumers that's great that's really great um you know oftentimes when I uh, listen to people that have um, done remarkable things um whether it's in science or in business or in any field, I realized that one thing is consistent. All those experiences shape the person you become. So um, they're the ups, they're the downs, they're the in-betweens, and you just have to keep going. So what are some of those um, lessons that you've learned on your journey and that's kept you going and attained the level of success you've attained with um, Zoom today? Yeah, that's a great question. I And I appreciate the sentiment also. But for right now, my mantra is the only way out is through. I mean, both in life, I now have three young kids, you know, and every day just kind of feels like ex small explosions are going around around me. And I think that having that mentality in entrepreneurship also has been a good perspective for me because it's really easy or as CEOs and founders, we're constantly envisioning where we want the company to go, you know, this like grand 10 year plan. Uh, of course, it evolves, but it's that big picture that we're looking at. And to get there, though, we all know it's extremely challenging. And there are a lot of factors that contribute to not being able to execute that plan that you envision. But by having the strategy together, the right team together, 
the only way out is through is really, you know, my mantra that we have to get, you know, through each day, each month, each quarter, each year. Um, and so that has been meaningful to me and also helps me keep perspective, you know, that I could want things to be at a different stage. Maybe I want my kids to be a little older, or maybe I want my kid to be more of a baby or something like that. But we just need to be present, you know, and deal with what's in front of us and hopefully enjoy it as well. Um, and so it's been very interesting growing the business alongside growing the family. You know, I think the life stage between 22 and 34 is really significant, especially when you add kids to the mix. Um, but it's been um nice to keep perspective, practicing yoga and listening to those type of um, teachings about being present and mindful has definitely helped me weathered uh, the the circumstances. That's great. That's, that's absolutely great. Also, um, if he, someone is listening and they are aspiring to do what you're doing um, in terms of building um, a company, um, whether it's a beverage company, a food um, company or a snack company, um, what will be an advice that you want to give them? Oh, gosh, that's a good one. I mean, I think there are some cliches like know your margins and, you know, um, mm -hmm. make sure that you are charging enough for your product to cover all of your expenses. Um, I think some advice as a parent specifically is to keep perspective, you know, um, I don't know what types of scientists that you've interviewed, but, you know, I remind myself and my sisters remind ourselves and our team remind ourselves when things feel really heavy that we're not curing cancer here. You know, we're all doing our best to provide a service that's needed into the economy and into the industries that we participate in. But having that perspective of what really matters at the end of the day um, is something that I think is important at any stage of a business. So mm -hmm. there's some short nuggets, but I love chatting with other entrepreneurs and especially other entrepreneurs that are parents. So I appreciate mm -hmm. the question. All right, pleasure. So let's move on to talk about sustainability a little bit. I know your product, uh, you mentioned that you have vegan um, products or uh, vegans as well. So do you mind talking about where we are uh, in terms of sustainability, how uh, you, uh, you are supporting um, sustainability with your products or your efforts uh, and what where do you see things going from here? There's been a lot of excitement around different lines of products and it's good to see but I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. I should leave with that I think that Zoom has a lot of room for improvement but similar to the nutritional value of tahini um, and sesame seeds another thing that motivates me and really inspires me or, or helps me get through any kind of tough time is the fact that sesame is a really special crop it's a drought resistant crop um, it contributes significantly to the economies where it's cultivated and grown. Uh, most of our sesame seeds come from the Humera region of Ethiopia. I've been there half a dozen times at this point, and understanding that international supply chain is something that is really striking to me. And the drought resistance and the sustainability of that crop as people are exploring what opportunities there are in the market, you know, for agriculture to contribute to the sustainability of CPG, I am really bullish on sesame seeds and I'm excited to see them hopefully get into more and more products. Um, and then from there, you know, our tahini is sold in um, plastic jars because that's what's best for the product and the shipping that we do. But I think that there's room for improvement as it relates to um, the packaging of the product 
Um, and then keeping our products in with this vegan outlook and I, I, admittedly, I am not vegan. I think um, at least or what I'm reading about through industry trends, and you likely know a lot more than I do, but contributing to a plant-based or at least a plant-heavy future, and of course, having accountability in those agricultural supply chains, um, I think will be a great part of the solution or you know, part of the contribution to where the industry needs to bring our sustainability in the next few 10, 15, forever and ever, you know, no trends here. Right, definitely. And um, as we begin to wrap up, I wanted to get your um, thoughts on some of the challenges we face in the food system today, uh, the pain points, and what are we doing to tackle them that you think, yeah, we should do more of, or what are we what are we not doing that we should be thinking about doing? Um, it would be good to um, get your thoughts on that. Oh, I wish I had somebody to riff off if you want to throw any out that you've been talking about a lot recently. But I mean, from my perspective, the thing, the challenges that we are working to overcome are, of course, distribution opportunities, um, a fair share on grocery shelves for small brands with smaller budgets. Um, you know, if there is an, if there can be ways to reform the way that the grocery store is shaped in order to um, support innovative brands and smaller brands. Um, and then I think also, and you touched on it, and, and we can talk about that as it relates to the industry as a whole, but sustainability, it doesn't it means, of course, the sustainability of our of our earth, but it also means a sustainable business. Businesses need to be profitable. We need to have the correct type of funding available to us in order to grow, considering the competition and the challenges that innovative, smaller, budgeted brands have. Um, and so all of those things are stuff that, you know, colleagues or exec other executives and I tend to talk about when we're catching up. Sure. And that's, that's really great. And one thing I want to just add to that, which is something you've mentioned repeatedly um, about um, your company and what you do is consumer education. We need to have more companies invest in consumer education. Uh, I think we're at that point where consumers are curious. And if you are not talking about your brand and educating them about your brand, someone else will. And it might not be what you want them to talk about in terms of, it might not be the real facts of your business. So I think um, it's really important for um, food industry leaders in particular to start looking more at investing in um, consumer education and mm -hmm. bringing people up to speed in what's going on in the industry. So um, if you think about some in another five years, 10 years, what do you see and what, what should we expect? That's such a good question. Um, more lines of products. So soon in more uh, aisles across the grocery store. Um, we have a shift coming to our channel structure, our sales channel structure. We've decided to shift intention away from one channel in order to support other channels. And so that's coming out later this year. Um, if you follow along on LinkedIn or wherever, we're excited to continue to share that strategy for the business. Um, and I also see Zoom collaborating with a lot more brands. You know, I think that our brand has started to develop the reputation 
for consumer interest and aligning brands together in order to put tahini into new categories and new products across the shelves. We'd love to do that in partnership with other brands that bring value to this, as opposed to it solely being Zoom branded. So I hope to be able to execute some great partnerships. That's great. That's really great. Looking forward to seeing uh, more of Zoom um, our products on the shelves as well. So one thing that's really dear to my heart is um, food and health, uh, that dynamic um, of ensuring that we have healthier products on the shelves and having uh, that transparent um, approach to business. Um, I know uh, your company is very invested in educating consumers, and I, I believe you are transparent about what you do as well. And um, those are things that are really, really important. And I just wanted to get your uh, thoughts on the future of food and having healthier products on the on the on the on the shelves. What do you think more um, executives should be doing? What should be? Um, how can we move the conversation forward in that direction? It's a great question. It's something that I thought about a lot during COVID and the aftermath of COVID because we saw these trends kind of change significantly, at least from my perspective, which was people went back to comfort foods. And mm -hmm. there were a lot of companies that offered products that were like way out there and health first and health before taste that ultimately haven't made it and continue to, I kind of think, get weeded out. And when I when I think about consumers and when I think of, I actually studied interpersonal communication in college. And so I thought about a lot about what pushes behavior. And what I realized, especially during COVID and especially during this, um, you know, during financial challenges for people, that people really want to buy things that they can afford, of course, and that tastes good, like their kids would eat it, right? The stresses of every day, a mother, most people, you know, purchasing, their kids are going to eat it. And unfortunately, health is not a part of that yet, right? It's still, that typically involves higher costs. And also, it tends to not taste as good. And so until we can solve for those two behavior influences, which I think are the most important in people choosing what to buy or what to buy again and again and again, it's can I afford this? And is it good? Do I want to eat it? You know? Um, and so I kind of have a different mind about it because I too am very passionate about people eating healthier, but I also respect people. And I know a lot of people like this that are so far away from thinking about health for like food for health. You know, they're stressed about their finances. They're stressed about work or their children or this or that. So actually to really echo your sentiment, it's the consumer, it's the behaviors that we need to change in consumers before we can put products out that I think fill the voids that you're alluding to, right? We need to figure out how can we persuade more people and how can we provide a product that eliminates barriers to the behavior of purchasing the product. Um, and with that, we would be able to make the world a lot healthier, you know? So I, I, I wish the answer would just be more healthy product, but we have to get the people to want to buy the healthy product. So they need to be able to be affordable and they need to be yummy. So it's a chicken and egg situation for me. Absolutely, Hemi, I agree with you. Um, there, there's a need to uh, master that balance in terms of taste and price. Those two things are very important for 
our consumers just as much as having a healthier good for them products on the shelves uh, good for your products on the shelves are important to consumers so we just need to strike the balance and and figure out how to make that happen and i have no doubt whatsoever that we have enough brilliant minds in this innovative space in the food industry that can uh, fix this issue and help um, help tackle this issue on a large scale so definitely it's doable definitely it needs to be understood it needs to be figured out thank you so so much for your time uh, for sharing and connecting really really appreciate it if someone is listening and they would like to connect with you uh, connect with your brand how best what, what is the best way for them to do so Right. If you're on social media, you can find us at Zoom Foods. That's S as in Sam, O-O-M as in mom, foods, plural. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn as well. Love connecting across the industry. So thank you. All right. All right. Have a wonderful rest of your day. We, uh, we look forward to connecting with, connecting with you again some other time. And so all the people that are listening, uh, thank you so much for uh, tuning in and listening today. Until the next time when we bring another exceptional change maker your way, uh, stay safe. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And until the next time we bring another exceptional leader your way, stay in touch with us on all social media platforms. Find details in the show notes.